1: Welcome in episode number five. Here we are on another unidentified alien podcast, UAP, right here with Stephen Dean and Karen Curtis over there. Karen, how are you?
0: I'm well. I am a ufologist. Oh, you you, you
1: became a ufologist over this past week. That's see, that's what this. It's a
0: neologism derived from UFO. No,
1: that's good. That's 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 what we can do for you here on uh, this this podcast is make you an expert. <laughs> and today is really something for episode 5. It's kind of like a landmark episode, it is. right? Yes. So, we're going to tackle something here that we haven't done yet because mostly what we've done is go over some of the the biggest, most interesting, mysterious uh, happenings in UFO UAP history ever since uh, Congress came out with their report about UFOs and you know declassifying some things, basically saying they don't know what they are, but they're not sure if they're alien. And they only went back to 2004 in that report. So we thought, my gosh, there's so much they le- they left out. And of course, all the things that we've already covered with like Rendlesham Forest and Malstrom Air Force Base, Operation High Jump, Roosevelt, uh, not Roosevelt, Eisenhower's meeting with the aliens, and now. We're going to do something different, and that is abductions.
0: Right. You think UFO sightings are just a modern phenomenon, but did you know that the Puritans were the first to record strange shining lights in American skies in 1639? So
1: that's the first recorded one, unless if you want to go back to ancient times with cave paintings and things like that. But right, right. Outside of that, I guess you can say in, this, uh, in these modern times, if you will, 500 years ago, Compared to world history, that's modern times. Yeah, so
0: John Winthrop, the governor of the Massachusetts Bay Colony, he recounted a great light in the night sky over the Charles River. How about that? It was part of the Bridgewater Triangle. I don't know if you know about this, but it's a territory of southeastern Massachusetts where reports of paranormal happenings occur, including sightings of UFOs, Bigfoot, Ghostly panthers, giant birds, and fiendish dogs. That sounds like
1: a whole other episode right there on its own. (laughs) We can look into that one day. I don't know. Because, oh, there's, you know, it goes throughout history. I mean, last week we had presidents and aliens. One that we left out was George Washington. There's a famous story with George Washington where he says, you know, there was an angel that showed him on a map where to go and all these things. Some people say that was aliens. So who knows?
0: Interesting. And did you know he had teeth that were made out of springs, wood, and cow teeth?
1: Yeah, it sounded very painful.
0: It's in the Smithsonian. Anyway, but
1: he was not abducted. <laughs> no,
0: well, maybe he got his teeth. Not that from we know him. of. Yeah. But why do the aliens visit us? You're the expert. You're the ufologist. I mean, I, I've seen that they want our gold, that they're studying us because we have a soul and they don't have a soul, and they're like, "What is that?" Don't know. They want to make sure that we don't destroy the Earth with our nuclear weapons.
1: That's a theory because they do come toward uh, a lot of nuclear facilities.
0: Yeah, well, you know, very our, often. I think it was our second one where they paralyzed all all the missiles. The missiles, right? Uh, they want to impregnate us with their like, and so they have like... hybrid breeding, hybrid is, breeding, right? Or edit our DNA, which we may be alien. We, you and I, may be part alien. There's
1: a whole other theory to that. Because there's
0: there's no missing link for you. Don't go from ape to like us. I'm oh, definitely
1: party alien. There's, there's, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no doubt in my mind about that. You are. You're that's a, for sure.
0: You're a gray.
1: But the question is, I mean, like you said, why do they come here? I don't know. And that's something that um, has been asked by, actually, one of the alien abductees. Because some of these stories we're going to go through today are really the most interesting, the most um, unresolved cases that are out there when it comes to alien abduction stories.
0: But the thing about them, Stephen, is that they're all almost identical and similar in description. Right. And I want to rely on the trustworthy 60 Minutes Australia. If you want to get real news you got Australia. Sure. And this is some of the descriptions from alien abductees. Lizard looking, not pleasant.
2: The creatures that I have seen mostly have been the, uh, the grays.
0: And when I say tall I'm not talking six feet. I'm talking very tall, like ten feet tall.
2: Usually about three to four foot tall. Real big almond-shaped black eyes.
0: The face was uh, oval. The being itself couldn't have been more than three feet tall. It was uh, sitting cross-legged at the top left-hand corner of my bed. Have you ever had that? Have you ever had sleep paralysis?
1: I've had sleep paralysis, but not to the point where you have sightings, so to speak. Some people have, you know, they get attributed to night terrors. I don't know what people are seeing in their sleep paralysis, but I saw something I've never at the end it. of
0: my bed. I had it. I, and I, I thought it was my mom. I was like, mom. Oh gosh! It was terrifying.
1: It is scary, and you hear the different descriptions there. I mean, this you know talk about lizard-like, so you could attribute that to the reptilians. And talk about the short grays. You talk about you know some uh, species who are ten feet tall. That that could be what they refer to as the tall whites. Oh, some of them say
0: the praying mantis. They look like a praying mantis.
1: Yeah, I've heard that one before as well. Um, So there's obviously different species out there. That's uh, you know people refer to in their sightings and, and things and like Nordics, that. that. The Nordics that
0: Eisenhower.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yep, he met with the Nordics first. But well, you go back to episode four to hear about that. Yeah. But on, on these, it's it's really interesting because on, uh, just on a couple of these cases that we're going to hit today. Because we could do a two-hour episode, honestly. On There's so many abduction stories. One of them, if, I think there was a guy named Travis Walton who yes. had a really detailed abduction story. But we're not going to go into that one too much today.
0: We have one that was local from South Florida. We've got Betty and Barney Rubble. No, I mean <laughs> Hill. That's but, right. But before we get there, I want to lay the groundwork in terms of trying to give some credence to these reports. Yes. The Harvard University Medical School is embracing little gray men and alien abductees. This guy, Dr. John Mack, he's a professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School, and he's a lot similar to Brian Weiss, Dr. Brian Weiss, who went to Yale and he headed up uh, Mount Sinai Psychiatric Division, and then he started to interview people and regress them, and he realized he wrote Many Lives Many Masters, and Some of these abductees are hypnotized Mm -hmm, in order to get to elicit the story. So there's some suggestion that these people are suggestible because anything through hypnosis. But this guy at Harvard Medical School, School of Psychiatry, has written a book on this because he saw so many patients that were saying the same things. He said this.
3: What has happened to these people is what they say has happened to them, even though I fully recognize that that's not possible in the worldview in which they and I were raised. I have no idea how the abductees are chosen. They seem to cut across every socioeconomic level. Mm-hmm. They seem to be, this is kind of paradoxical since everyone's always trying to blame this on psychopathology, they seem to be unusually mentally sound. In other words, they seem to pick people who are particularly strong, stable, open-minded.
0: So, yeah, and as with Dr. Weiss, you know, When you think you have a past life, people think you're nuts.
1: Right. And and unfortunately, you get this stigma that gets attached to you and people think, like you said, people think you're crazy. Oh, that guy who says, you know, he lived another life or was abducted by aliens and you kind of get discarded. Exactly. And that's why a lot of sighting stories or abduction stories never really get reported because they're afraid that people are going to make fun of them.
0: Exactly. And some people like you're going to hear from uh, Betty and Barney Hill. That's what happened to them. But Dr. Mackey is a Pulitzer Prize-winning best-selling author. He also wrote a book on alien abductions, and he's dead.
1: Oh, well, you know, that happens. He died in <laughs> London
0: in 2004. He was 74. He was hit by a drunk driver.
1: Oh, geez. A drunk alien. Yeah, Maybe. They were yeah. after
3: him, I don't know, but no, but that's terribly sad. But he
0: wanted everybody to know that
3: this shit is real. To me, this was utterly not possible when I first heard about it, and I, I didn't write about it, I didn't speak publicly about it for two years. This grew out of the experiences of case after case after case, so it was not like believing anything. It's, uh, I came cautiously, reluctantly, gradually to take this as seriously as I, I did what the source of this is, what, who these beings are, where they come from, what creates this intelligence. I don't know. But there's something profoundly important going on here that is authentic and real.
1: I mean, he says it right there. Again, that's not us, you know, seeing it. You know, maybe we theorize about things. That is, you know, a psychiatrist, a doctor, someone who, again, who can put, you know, some, some credence to this and say that's somebody who really has some backing telling you right now on this on this show that what people are what they're experiencing with these abductions are real i mean they they go back in these hypnotic states which you're going to hear in a little while too from betty yeah, Barney right Hill. now
0: actually we it's have
1: really something this this story is to me one of the most fascinating abduction stories out there because there's so many layers to it so lead us in karen to I betty shall. Barney so Hill.
0: they are a new hampshire couple they claim to have been abducted in 1961 correct? and taken aboard an alien spacecraft. So right. here's Betty.
3: This light stopped in midair directly in front of us. The car motor stalled. And at that point, I realized that they undoubtedly planned to take us on board. So they had
0: lost time. Mm -hmm. I think it was two hours. Two hours. And the car was 35 miles from where the light took them up, they said? Yeah, it was further down the road. So Betty famously drew a star map from memory in 1964 under psychoanalysis, or I think hypnosis. And the map supposedly showed the sky as seen from a planet orbiting the star Zeta Reticula. Yes. From which an alien abductor had arrived. So it's... You know, there's entangled particles and like your particles over here and the other one's a billion light years away and they're doing the exact same thing. I don't know. This is what it reminds me of, but it's called the uh, Zeta Reticuli Incident.
3: Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trijani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson. Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it—they come. They share new episodes of "You Are What You Read" drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform. Wherever you listen to your podcasts.
1: So what's fascinating about this is that she obviously had a uh, uh, Betty Hill didn't have any previous you know astronomy training or anything yes. like that. She wasn't an astronomer. It wasn't a hobby. What happened is her at least her story goes when she was hypnotized and you know. Uh, through regression and all that she had the memory of being on the ufo on the ship with the aliens and asking them and they were they weren't being mistreated by the aliens at least you know in their case in some cases that's not always how it goes um but in their case she actually had conversations with them that she recalled through her regression and the uh, hypnosis and in that she talks about Asking the aliens Where did you come from Like you know How did you get here Type thing Who are you And he showed her The aliens show her A three dimensional star map That she uh, Described as like a rectangle And something that you would Kind of see Like out of Star Wars Imagine that Where it was a hologram That came up and that's what she was looking at. Except this was about 15 yeah. years Aww. before Star Wars ever came out. <laughs> and so when she, he was explaining, the alien was explaining this to her basically as a binary star system. Again, use Star Wars as as an example, where they have the two suns on Tatooine as the suns were setting on Luke Skywalker. They have the two suns. So that's essentially what a binary star system is, where you have those. Those two stars, you know, next to each other, so to speak. Two suns. Yes. And so in this uh, Zeta Reticuli system, it wasn't something that was talked about a lot. If, you would only know about this star system if you were into stars, if you were some type of, you know, astronomer. And so there was no reason for her to know this, especially... It's very obscure. Especially for her to be able to draw the map. She drew the map exactly on how the star system actually is in the sky. So And there's a planet are,
0: with those two stars?
1: There is, and there was she actually drew lines as well, um, and she asked the alien, what are these lines? And you know, after she drew them, she explained that the alien told her the lines were basically what they traveled. It was essentially like a road map. It's what they had mapped to other Whoa. planets. So again, this is something that you know Betty Hill a woman in 1961 in New Hampshire is drawing these detailed star maps of a star system that nobody is talking about if you're just a normal person and she's getting it i mean dead on i mean they they put it up against constellation star map and it was dead on so how was she able to do that
0: and i do believe that when Betty and Barney came forward they were kind of dismissed but yes. he, what happened was They had to be regressed, as we were talking about. And here is part of that.
2: My wife decided, well, we
1: should notify someone. And we thought of notifying the military base located in this area. A radar had detected something unidentified and had reported it through channels inside the Air Force. They
3: had tracked an unidentified craft at 2.14 AM, just about the time we estimate that the UFO left.
1: They developed a series of nightmares. And as a result of that, the ufologists told them you should be regressed hypnotically to try to see if you
0: remember more.
3: you're still asleep but you can see it all clearly looks like a big
2: pancake with windows
1: so you hear that there that was it's a little it's a little extreme but we wanted to play that for you that was the actual recording of the regression therapy session
0: very upsetting
1: and you hear uh, Betty and Barney Hill there basically you know reliving what they saw being scared obviously during their abduction and uh, Barney Hill recalls, seeing figures in the windows as the ufo approached so it's it's a chilling case it's a fascinating case and it's one that for me has stuck with me since i heard it you know years ago it's it's totally fascinating
0: and what's even more fascinating this couple is interracial that was the
1: thing about this too that made it tough for them because let's let's just face it let's be honest here it's 1961 in, in in the northeast and they're an interracial couple so Like, it wasn't hard enough to come out and say that you're abducted by aliens. You're an interracial couple in 1961 who has to come out and and claim this and hope that people take you seriously. So... A harder situation, you know, hard situation got harder. If you can imagine that for them,
0: yeah. Either way, they're heroic. I think it's fantastic that you know they came out with their story and they stuck with it. And we're talking about it today in 2021.
1: And the the other uh, intriguing thing about this, Karen, before because we have a local guy actually coming up next, um, and this is a fascinating story out of uh, from the late 80s, I think 1989, that we're going to get to in a second. But um, they, with, after they got abducted, and they've you know reported to the police. After the full investigation was done, the official police report says alien abduction, close encounter of the third kind. That's in the record. That's in the police record in New Whoa. Hampshire. So you know, again, make up your own mind. That's the story. That's their their own testimony that you heard there. The sound that we played was Benny and Barney Hill. It's to me the most fascinating and the most uh, the story with the most proof of alien abduction of all the stories I've ever come across.
0: And it's funny you bring up close encounter of the third kind. Those definitions were... Actually, the Project Blue Book people came up with the classification of these types of encounters. Uh, The first kind, sighting of one or more UFOs at a distance, 500 feet or less. Second kind is sighting of a UFO with associated physical effects, heat, electrical interference. And third kind is sighting of an animated being, Mm -hmm. presumably an alien, but not specifically defined as such. So that's what she had. And speaking of Project Blue Book...
1: Right. That's we have a
0: tie in with our next person.
1: Yeah, because actually, Project Blue Book is a whole other story. So I think we might do like full Project Blue Book next week. But Dr. Alan Hynek was the lead uh, investigator researcher on Project Blue Book, which was basically a government study into UFOs back in the 50s and 60s. And he got inv- involved in with Betty and Barney Hill and with uh, the case they're about to talk about now.
0: Yeah, Project Blue Book was the code name for the study of unidentified flying objects by the United States Air Force from March 1952 and then it was terminated in December of 1969. And it was headquartered at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio. That's right. And they... Collected all kinds of information on abductions and UFO sightings. It was just, it was amazing. But when they closed up shop, they closed up shop.
1: So they say. But for one guy in particular, um, which I'm sure was investigated by somebody in the government, was F- Felipe Cardenas. I believe his name is right.
0: Silberto. Filberto. Silberto. I'm sorry, Silberto. The memory of Silberto.
1: Silberto yes. Cardenas, out of uh, Hialeah. Hialeah. You say? Yeah. yeah. And he was what? right next
0: to Opalaca.
1: That's right. And in 1989, he was uh, out for a drive. He was a Cuban immigrant, came here with his with his family, and had his own business. Um, went to go pick up some pork on a Saturday night for dinner that we're gonna make on Sunday, like
0: for a you, Cuban sandwich. I mean,
1: for you know, as as any good Cuban would in Miami, they gotta love the the Cuban pork sandwiches. And so they were on their way to go do that, and on the way home, the car breaks down. And in the car, and what makes this interesting, Karen, is in the car. Were witnesses. It was, uh, I believe, uh, some family members in the car with him and friends. There were four people, and he was one of the four, but he was the only one taken. And the car breaks down. They were out checking. They open up the hood. They look in, and they can't figure out what's going on. So it's
0: one of those same things that everyone seems to experience if they're in a car is... It yeah, just everything dies. just shuts. It dies. Exactly. All the lights go out. The, the radio turns off.
1: You hear that so frequently with these stories. Even when there's no abduction involved, when a UFO flies over, there's some type of electrical interference that just kills your car. And, well, you know, in the end, he ended up, his story got
0: taken. And then what happened?
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> you want to know? Yes. Okay, sure. Because what happened next is he actually, and this is... It's going to sound crazy, okay? But we've talked about a lot of things on here that have sounded crazy before. But this is his story.
0: Don't worry, Diener. We all know that you're a ufologist. That's right. He
1: he tells the story, again, through uh, regression, where they took him um, and he saw these shorter aliens. He describes the this, this short kind of gray aliens wearing what he described as like metallic overalls. And they took him into the ship and... Eventually, ended up taking him underwater, which is interesting because going back to the USS Nimitz case in 2014, which started this whole congressional investigation, where the uh, the pilots saw these UFOs, the UAPs in the air, and in some cases diving down into the water, and what at that point they're classified as a USO, is an unidentified submerged ob- uh, submerged object, and so from there, Filberto in 1989. <laughs> Was talking about these crafts going underwater.
0: What body of water here in South Florida?
1: Uh, they didn't say, but I—I'm just going to assume it was somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean. Okay, um, it could have been Lake O. Maybe.
0: And I saw those metallic overalls at at Paris Fashion. Week.
1: Yes, I was going to say they—they they got that fashion from somewhere. So <laughs> <laughs> that's true. So he talks about going down there, and they actually, from what he says, gave him predictions for things in the future about different wars, different happenings, just, you know, floods and things like that. And I guess there were some other things, smaller things that have come to pass, other things not come to pass yet. But it's was, it was pretty extreme. And then he actually got abducted a second time with his wife, who they went back to the abduction site and his wife came with him. They say at that point, that's the only voluntary abduction case on record where someone says, yes, take me too. Because normally it just ends up being... The aliens say, we're taking you whether you like it or not. And she actually said, I want to go with him. So he was abducted twice and talks about both of those stories. And it's really fascinating stuff. I mean, to, to, to claim that you were taken down under the ocean into a secret hangar is what he described.
0: Did any of the information they gave him come true?
1: There was a couple of small things that weren't really re- revealed anyway from what I've read. Um, but for some of the bigger things, like you know, California would be submerged underwater. Some of these different things that the aliens told him. Obviously, we haven't seen that happen yet. Um, but it's it's so it would have fascinating. been fascinating. It
0: would have been an encounter of the fourth kind because it's a human abduction by an alien. That's right. May also include voluntary experiences. That's right. So yes. she said, "Go ahead."
1: So they, yeah. I mean, and for someone to be taken twice and to have you know uh, recollection both times of their encounters. It's, it's incredible, and so and the stories that he was, he was able to tell from it. Again, another thing where they, were, they didn't know what to do. I mean, after their friend got abducted, they thought, well, we can't tell the police because they're going to think we killed him or something, or, right. you know, yeah. we're at fault here. We
0: always hate when that happens.
1: <sighs> but then, you know, he hate when that happens.
0: He was murdered. No, no, it was the aliens. I
1: swear, it was the aliens. I swear.
0: Actually, the encounter of the fifth kind is interesting, too, because it's voluntary bilateral contact between humans and extraterrestrials. Amazing. So that means like you're having... I guess they had their English to alien dictionary with them.
1: And it's funny you say that, actually, because the aliens, according to Filberto, were trying to communicate with him and didn't know what language to speak. So... Being that he was a Cuban immigrant, his English wasn't very good. So they tried speaking to him first in German, then in English. Oh, they're bilingual. They are. Or they're
0: multilingual.
1: Very, yes, very much so. Uh, German, then English, and then in Spanish. And they realized, oh, Ah, Spanish, we hit that one. So they spoke to him in fluent Spanish. And there was another alien who uh, spoke to him telepathically, according to his story.
0: What do you like, press one for German? Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which one?
0: Oh my God, that's
3: so so
1: fascinating. It's an unbelievable story, and it happened right here in South Florida, and that was in 1989, I believe. Wow. So that's, again, we could go all day on these abduction stories, but those two, to me, are really some of the more fascinating ones. Um, There was even a doctor, Dr. Roger Lear, who I, do we have, you tell me, do we have time, Carrie? Go for it. Okay.
0: I want to hear about it.
1: If we have time to go into Dr. Roger Lear, because- he dedicated his career to alien abductees. So this is fascinating because this is a guy who, just like anybody else, who wanted to be a doctor. He's so, like Doctor Mac. Yeah, I mean, just went in, you know, college, studied, university, became a, a podiatrist. Okay.
0: Oh, that's right. Yes, Doctor Lear. Yes. <gasps> and the implants. He was. He's a foot doctor. He's a podiatric surgeon. Yes. It podiatric. sounds a lot better than a foot doctor. <laughs> so that was. Do aliens have feet?
1: Maybe. So that was that was his thing, and it just so happened as you know time went on, he became involved in MUFON, which is the Mutual UFO Network. And there's different um, branches throughout the country. Every state has like a MUFON branch.
0: Do they have Foo Fighters?
1: They might, because if you learned, if you've been listening to UAP, Foo Fighters actually originated from World War II. That's what the pilots called UFOs. I guess Dave Grohl liked the name enough to call his band (laughs) Foo Fighters. So Dr. Roger Lear, who became kind of a UFO enthusiast, UAP enthusiast, and a ufologist, yeah. And his spare time is something that he studied and would speak at different conventions and things like that. Would go to different conventions with with uh, Mufon, and started to hear about at these conventions from people who claimed they had implants. So and we're not talking breast. No, no, no. So, which he's I mean, like, wait
0: a minute, let me see. Right,
1: that's that's a whole different experiment that the aliens were doing. <laughs> that's not what we're talking about. And the like, aliens
0: are probably like, they don't like what we gave them. They have to change it. They look at Kim Kardashian and go, "What the hell?
1: What are you doing?" So, but he's talking about different little microchips, if you will, uh-huh. things that like a almost, tracker. Yeah, almost. And, and once they took it out, I would say. You know, like the little fuses you find yes. in your Christmas lights? And if you, you know, it's, it's within the plug. You have those little replacement fuses. Yes. They look
0: like that. In fact, here's Dr. Roger Lear. He's testifying in front of former congressional members.
2: The individuals involved in this study all presented with no noted portal of entry for any of the objects that were removed. There was uh, no visible scar formation, and there was no interruption of the integrity of the skin, even when examination was performed with a magnifying loop, not only examining the area involved, but a large amount of the peripheral area. All the individuals in the study presented with positive x-rays or CT scans showing metallic or lesser dense foreign objects. Prior to the surgical procedures performed, the areas of interest were examined by the use of a gauss meter for magnetic or electromagnetic emissions. 10 of them were found to be producing readings on a gauss meter of six to 10 milligauss. That is a large amount for a very small object that varies in size from approximately six to 10 millimeters in length and about the diameter of a pencil head.
0: And I understand, even though it's a foreign object, there's something that encases it that your body doesn't reject it.
1: So, what they were able to do, and so fast forward a little bit, where Dr. Lear and a partner of his. Thought we need to make this. This is our smoking gun. If we can get these implants out of people, we can prove that they are being abducted and something is happening here. Like there's 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 objects in these people that they cannot explain how they got there. So after they did multiple surgeries on people, normally they would find it in their hands, in between their thumb and their uh, index finger. Ooh, that's a tough spot. So they would find it there or on you know in their arms somewhere, maybe inside the forearm. And what they were finding was it was covered by the tissue of the body so it was being implanted already surrounded by the abductees tissue that way the body wouldn't reject it or wouldn't read it as a foreign object it would be something that is already part of the person's body
2: there is no rejection reaction there is no in exhaustive research of human science there is nothing that we have found in material science that will produce absolutely no inflammatory reaction in the human body Uh, These objects all do also in addition They are surrounded by a large amount of specialized nerve endings called proprioceptors And these are areas which are not consistent with Gray's Anatomy So that's how they figured anyway The aliens got smart and said
1: well, let's just put it in them this way and that way it could work It'd be you know wouldn't be detected so to speak and what they were finding they, they would find these implants and they would basically see After studies and this, now I will preface this by saying, these the results of these studies have been refuted by skeptics and discredited,
0: right? Well, they must have investigated the implant.
1: They investigated it and they
0: traced it back to Radio Shack.
1: No, so what they found was, and they did have Radio Shacks then. What they found was, um, it was material that matched meteorites. That's interesting. And so now there are skeptics who say. That, you know, baloney, you know, you know you can find that anywhere, blah, blah, blah. Maybe it was mercury from something. So, of course, you're always going to have skeptics. But according to the findings from these studies on the implants they took out of people that they don't know how they got in their bodies, they're saying that And, it they, had, and these
0: people said that they had some sort of an experience?
1: Yes, these were all—yeah, right. These were all abductees. Okay. And they're saying on these, these implants, on this hardware, it uh, had materials you would find from a meteorite. That I'm it, it sorry, I, that. I was
0: I was abducted and I just returned and I had it's okay. a timeline.
1: <laughs> so it again, it's one of those things where and, and Dr. Roger Lear, I believe, passed away a few years ago. Um, but he did a lot of work on this and worked on a lot of people who claimed they had these implants in them and they took all these implants out. You know, and it's funny because you have skeptics who say, Well, these are just, you know, pieces of glass or whatever that somebody stepped on and it went through their bloodstream and they forgot it was there. What they were taking out of people's bodies were not shards these were little cylinders they they were strange looking and i mean they have to be there somehow some way and the question is how and why
2: about 60 percent presented with positive uv light fluorescence with color ranges from pink green to yellow one of the last surgical patients displayed a large chevron appearing area Uh, like an insignia on the outside of the right arm near the shoulder. He had no prior knowledge of it being there. We have also found that the removal of this fluorescent material with ordinary solvents only makes them disappear for intervals of approximately one hour. But when reexamined again, they appear again with the use of ultraviolet light with varying frequencies. In addition, by use of radio wave frequency detector, we were able to detect that certain radio frequencies in the FM band, both in the megahertz and kilohertz range, were being emitted from the object. It was determined that in one case, the frequencies detected, and this is through a chart that I was able to obtain through um, sources that I will not be able to mention. But these frequencies were noted fixed or mobile deep space frequencies.
0: Interesting. So, in summary, the abductions and the abductees basically have similar, if not identical, stories about the light coming down from some sort of a craft above them. Right. And it somehow renders their car inert and right. or they are taken from their bed through a wall that type of thing
1: that actually happened in um in new york there was a famous case and i forget her name um jessica napolitano napolitano Napolitino, something like that and uh but that was in the early 90s and she said the, the aliens it's terrifying when you think about it the gray aliens came into her bedroom and took her and there was a beam like something you would see out of a movie that she had a beam coming into her apartment building in New York Oh, geez. like I mean you're talking like Midtown okay and this happened and they had witnesses to the point where uh, at least anyway that there was a UN official went unnamed, who signed with his bodyguards a written statement saying they saw this happen <gasps> wow that they saw her being taken out of the building they saw the craft they saw the beam of light so there's a lot of interesting cases out there Karen and all of these actually, uh, or not? I shouldn't say these specifically, but there were a lot of cases that were uh, studied by Project Blue Book that we mentioned earlier, and Dr. Alan Hynek himself, who was the lead investigator on during Project Blue Book. So maybe we can talk about Project Blue Book next week. If yeah, possible which, too. by the
0: way, the when it was shut down, the UFO reports were archived. They're available under the Freedom of Information Act, FOIA, which we use here in journalism. But names and other personal information of all witnesses have been redacted. Mm -hmm. And Project Blue Book was declassified, and the records are available for examination in uh, the research room of the National Archives. So uh, that must have been recently. That's what has been declassified.
1: Some of those things have been, yeah. I mean, look, there's always going to be things that people will never find out, um, which is why I think— the the congressional investigation only went back to 2004 cuz look at all the stories we we just spoke about way before that 60s, the 80s, the 90s. I mean there's so much left uncovered which is why we do the show cuz we're digging up the stuff that they're not talking about. And
0: it's weird because this project Project Blue Brook, closed in 1969 and there's no more information on sightings after that date. But they did come up with the parameters for classifying alien encounters as we told you, but do you want to do Project Blue Book next week, or do you have something even more tasty? I might have
1: something a little bit more juicy. Actually, I know I do. You want to know what it is?
0: Yes, let's do that.
1: Okay, because it's something. I'm just. I'm just going to tell you the title. Oof. The Dulce Base Wars. This story is out of everything we've done. Even today with the abduction stories, this is like straight out of the movie Independence Day. That's that's it's It involves government. Uh, secret governments, contractors, secret government buildings, aliens working, at, at getting into a, a, a firefight with soldiers. This story is, is unbelievable.
0: Okay. I like it. We're going to do that next week, so you don't want to miss us. I'm going to leave you again with Dr. Mack.
3: What the source of this is, what, who these beings are, where they come from, what creates this intelligence, I don't know. But there's something profoundly important going on here that is authentic and real.
1: It makes you wonder. Again.
0: Head of head of psychiatry at Harvard.
1: <laughs> that's right, and that's not just some guy. That's not me or you saying no. that. This is like like you said, head of psychiatry at Harvard.
0: That's why I want to end it that way.
1: Absolutely. So again, check out episode, all the other episodes if you missed them of UAP Unidentified Alien Podcast. You can find it anywhere that you find podcasts: Apple, Spotify. You can find it on the website too: eight fifty WFTL dot com. Because Karen and I are on there as part of the South Florida Morning Show with Jennifer Ross and Bill Adams. You can hear us there, maybe not talking about aliens, but you hear us on that show every Monday through Friday as well as 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. But for this show specifically, again, search it Apple, Spotify, or stream it on 850WFTL.com and uh, find the previous episodes too. But next week, episode six is going to be a doozy with the Dulce Base Wars. This story is insane.
0: I can't wait. Don't forget to subscribe, download, give us five stars. Extra terrestrial stars do it all
1: go, yeah. to, go to the extra binary system binary and stars yes. give,
0: us, yeah. give <laughs> us two binary stars and an extra single star
1: <laughs> go go to the zeta reticuli system and give us all the stars
0: there you go yes. so that wraps it up thanks so much Stephen
1: of course so join us again next week right here on UAP the Unidentified Alien Podcast Karen Curtis there Stephen Diener over here talk to you again next time bye